0: So how busy are you right now, would you say? I mean, are these last few weeks, like, frantic, or do you think everything's in order?
1: It is a controlled chaos. How about that? (laughs) That's a good way to point. Um, We're in really good shape. We have an incredible amount of
0: Right, right, you're listening to Hacks and Flax, the marketing, PR, and communications podcast from March Communications. Uh, I'm Manny Vega saying welcome back. And as I record this, we are less than two weeks away from PRXNE16. Uh, it's the big annual event for the PRSA Northeast District, PRSA Boston, really just the entire PRSA, I'll say in general. That's, of course, the Public Relations Society of America. And I'm on the phone here with Erin Callinan. She founded the Callinan and Klein Agency. Uh, she's a chapter leader within PRSA Boston, and she's also one of the chief organizers for PRXNE this year. So, welcome to Hacks and Flax, Erin.
1: Great, thanks, Manny. I appreciate you having us on.
0: So, uh, you know, your event this year—it's it's all day, June thirteenth at UMass Boston, correct?
1: That is correct. Yes.
0: Yeah, and I say you know we're only a few days away, really. So, how are how are preparations coming along right now?
1: You know, it is. Um we're right in the middle of it, um, all those last-minute details that have to get done before the event takes off on June 13th. But we're really excited about it. We have such an incredible number of fantastic speakers from all across the Northeast District, which really makes up, if you think about it, it's from about Providence all the way up towards Bangor, hmm. and then across um, Al- Albany all the way out to Buffalo, and then back down, you know, um, to uh, what I would say northeastern Connecticut.
0: Yeah, that's actually a pretty big region. How do you get the word out across that entire region about an event like this?
1: So it's a district conference. So while there's a a local PRSA Boston chapter, there are also eight other chapters that make up the district. There is one in Buffalo, New York, the uh, capital region of New York, central New York, Finger Lakes, Rochester, the Yankee chapter, which comprises Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine the Boston chapter, and then there's Southeast New England. So there's eight different chapters that make up the district. So we all work together to get the word out.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that. Does it require a lot of coordination between all the different chapter organizations?
1: It does, which has been absolutely fabulous this year. This is the first year I have been involved in this event, but my understanding it has never uh, been as collaborative as it Mm -hmm. is this year, which has just been fantastic. We have... Somebody from the Southeast New England chapter who's heading up the marketing efforts. Somebody from the Yankee chapter who has headed up the speaker efforts. So it really has been a really strong collaboration, and everybody's very vested in making the event a success.
0: Yeah, it sounds like so you split it up basically by um, activities. and Are you basing it off somebody's strengths, or is it just pretty much an even split? Somebody will take care of marketing, somebody will take care of some logistics?
1: You know, I think what makes it really work is while – Mike, down in Southeast New England, is heading up the marketing committee. The committee is made up of individuals that represent all the chapters. And each individual committee has worked that way because it's very important for us to not only get the word out and ensure that we have representation from each chapter at the conference, we also want to have representation um, through our marketing efforts or through our speaking program to make sure that, you know, we're tapping into the best and the brightest out of Rochester, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, as well as Boston.
0: So how busy are you right now, would you say? I mean, are these last few weeks, like, frantic, or do you think everything's in order? Or?
1: It is a controlled chaos. How about that? <laughs> That's
0: a good way to put it. Um,
1: we're in really good shape. We have an incredible amount of speaking. Um, I think there are almost 40 individuals that will be speaking at the conference on June 13th. Mm. So, But it is, it's that last minute of, okay, we need to make sure we have all the presentations in. You know, do we have all the names? Are they all spelled correctly? Mm-hmm. All those last-minute details that we are working on right now to make sure that everything goes as smooth as possible on Monday.
0: I imagine it takes a lot of organization, right?
1: It does, absolutely.
0: Yeah. How much? Um, I mean, how do you keep yourself organized for this type of thing? And is it? I guess are you leaning a lot on these these other uh, volunteers from around the chapter, ch- different chapters? Oh my
1: gosh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, everybody has um, a role, and everybody plays it well. And I just sort of make sure that it all goes down the track. And that's the most important thing. Um, You know, our marketing team will be writing all the social media copy and we need to make sure that it gets out to all the different chapters so that they have it for their use. So it's just making sure, coordinating all the details and making sure they're happening. And every committee is working incredibly hard to make it happen.
0: Is this the first time this event happened in Boston or or when was the last time it happened?
1: It is not the first time and I... It has been a while. Mm -hmm. So... I want to, oh, I'm going to make up the date, but I want to say 2006 or somewhere around there. Okay. It rotates every year to a different, um, a different chapter.
0: Gotcha. So probably at so least eight years year. or so probably then, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Last year, I know it was in Rochester. That was the first one I had attended.
0: But this is the first one you've had to kind of like head up in a way, right? You're, is it co-chair, right? With with Julie Denning? I am the
1: co-chair. Uh, co-chair with Lauren Barnes, actually. Oh, Lauren Barnes.
0: Gotcha. Okay. All right, and what, and what kind of goes in, could you tell us a little bit about what goes into planning something like this where you're bring, bringing together all these different chapters kind of spread across a, a, a geographic region and trying to kind of pick the best and brightest from each?
1: So we sort of chunked it down into a couple of different areas. One very important area is sponsors. We can't put on a conference like this without the support of our sponsors. So um, there are probably... I think we have 16 sponsors altogether. Everyone from Guinness uh, Book of World Records is our platinum sponsor. Um, Visit Syracuse is another great sponsor. 72 Point Out of New York is a great sponsor. Um, Weber Shanwick MSL Group, March Communications, many different agencies in the local Boston area also have to sponsor it. So that is a really important part is we have to reach out and make sure that we have the buy-in, financially from a number of organizations that help us put it on. Mm. So sponsorship is one big chunk of it. Content is the next big chunk, and that is how do we, how do we determine what speakers we're looking for, where do they fit, um, what do people want to hear. So before we even rolled down that path, we did a survey of all our members and said, what is it that you're interested in hearing at this event? And then using that feedback... We reached out, we did a call for speakers, um, which then requires not only getting the, doing the call for speakers, but our marketing team jumping on board to help push that out and make sure that we get an incredible number of speakers for our event. Um, so that's a whole other chunk, and that has to be managed all the way through till day of. Marketing to make sure that we have ticket sales, and then a logistical element to make sure that everything goes according to plan
0: on-site. I'm glad you brought up sponsorships. I was actually going to, um, to ask about that because uh, obviously you manage events uh, through your agency as well, correct? So for clients, corporate correct. clients. Um, and so how important, I mean, you kind of you kind of touched on it already, but uh, could you tell us a little bit more about the importance of sponsorships to organizing any sort of event like this and um, how you kind of help clients work around the challenge of financing a, a big event, maybe for the first time or maybe it's an ongoing thing. Um, could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. I mean, sponsorships are the lifeblood of events that, you know, they provide the financial backing for these events to happen. Um, we're an all-volunteer organization, so nobody is getting paid to put this on. Um, we're all investing a lot of our time, but we can't, we can't make it work without our sponsors. So they're really, really important. You know, our, what we need to do is understand what makes it viable for a sponsor to be here Why is our audience important to them? And how can we help them get their message across? Mm. Because it's so much more than just putting a logo on a sign or a logo on a website and their name and saying, hey, you're a sponsor. The question is, what do they want to get out of it? What do they want? How do they want to reach our audience? So many of our sponsors right now are doing blog posts about their expertise that we are putting on our website and not just the district website, but the websites of all the individual chapters, using them in social media, trying to set up client engagement efforts for them on-site at the conference so that they have the opportunity to reach the widest possible audience that they can and achieve the goals that they have for the conference.
0: So you've mentioned sponsorships, content um, that go into putting putting together an event of this uh, caliber, what else um, would you say? I mean, what's like a big challenge? if you're If you're working with a client for the first time on a, on an event, uh, what are some of the common challenges that, that people can run into when when trying to launch something like this?
1: You know, I think it's, um, it can be a lot of different things. Um, understanding what, and this is really just from a client perspective, not necessarily the specific event, but what is the client hoping to achieve of it from it? Why are you doing this the event? And I think that's really, really important because without an understanding of what they're hoping to achieve, you're not going to be successful. So once you understand what they're going to be, what they want to achieve, how do you tailor an event to make it successful for them? You know, if they're talking about reaching a small targeted audience, you're not looking for a broad scale consumer event. On the flip side, if you want to reach a broad scale consumer event, you need to understand The market that you're doing that in, what else is happening at the same time? What are you competing against? Um, Indoor event or outdoor event? Um, Outdoor event can be subject to weather. You have to think about all of those different things. We do a big event every year outside at the Shell in Boston, and weather is a big factor of that. And, you know, on a nice day, 50,000 people turn out. If it happens to rain, that might be 10,000 people. And that's nothing that you can control. So you really sort of need to understand what your client's goals are and design an event that helps them achieve that goal regardless of the different factors that can affect it.
0: So, I mean, talking a little bit more about goals, uh, what were some of the most – I guess if you were to advocate for, for why a, a client would want to consider putting on their own event – you know, what, are, what are some of the biggest reasons why you would want to? Uh, is it just kind of fostering community? Maybe if it's like a user group type thing with your customers? Uh, or are there benefits beyond that?
1: Oh, there's definitely benefits beyond that. I mean, um, you can definitely reach beyond your targeted audience, reach a new audience, create awareness for yourself among a broader audience, engage one-on-one with your customers or potential customers and hear their feedback immediately. Um, without any sort of filter between you and the customer. So there's a lot of great reasons to do events. Um, Hands-on, you know, we see so much media coverage and media outlets, um, the way people get their information is so fractured these days. An event really allows you to talk one-on-one with your customer. And I think there are some real great benefits to that.
0: Yeah, and and, I mean, you spoke a little bit about sort of a logistic logistical considerations let's call it uh so things like weather things like you know how big of a crowd do you want to draw what kind of audience are you looking for um but if we were to talk about say content um for an event for for from a client perspective you know what are some of the things that businesses need to consider or have having good shape in order to make sure that their event is is uh, valuable from a content perspective
1: i mean content is everything right it's why do you go to an event? Because I'm interested in it, because it looks fun, because my friends are going. Um, There are a lot of great reasons. It's going to be great networking. That's one of the keys that we see for this event specifically. Um, It's content, and we're all very limited in our time these days, and finances play a role too. So if I'm going to pay to go to an event and I'm going to invest four or five hours of my day there, the content has to be something that appeals to me, that I learn from, that has some value. So content is everything.
0: So obviously um, this isn't this isn't the first PRXNE, um, but I'm, I'm assuming you've done some first time events for clients, correct? Um, yeah. So how do you manage? Uh, you know, because I think about it, I think if I were if I were in the client's shoes, the first thing I would be worried about is okay, how do I know people are going to show up? Like There's that sort of tension, right? So like, how do I know uh, this is going to work? You don't really know until the day of, right? Um, is there a way to manage that for, for your clients, or do you know beforehand?
1: There are always factors that you cannot control, but there are also factors that you can control. So, for example, you know, is the content enough to drive an audience? You know innately if the content is of interest or not, and so that is one. It has to be of interest. Is my audience big enough? to justify this event? Yes? No? Not sure? Not sure? Let's put some parameters in place so that you know that there'll be an audience for you. Are there people that you can partner with? Can you cross-promote your event through other channels or affinity type organizations that can help draw an audience? So there are certainly things that you can put into place to ensure success.
0: Yeah, it's almost like evaluating Um, your event or like pre-evaluating right so seeing how valuable it is uh, and you can make certain judgment calls and and some really intelligent estimations before you even uh, start organizing an event right
1: absolutely and you know do a survey of your audience ahead of time get some base data you know is this something you would go to if everyone comes back and says not really then maybe take a look at it and it might not be the right event
0: yeah no there's your answer I'm curious, kind of how is social media factoring into, um, you know, organizing this type of, these types of events?
1: You know, social media is phenomenal for getting the word out about events because you have the opportunity to reach out, not, again, not only to your audience, but every time you tag in a speaker or tag in an organization, you're reaching an audience that's already engaged with that person. So it really does provide you a really great base for getting the word out.
0: I understand social media is, I mean, it's got an important part uh, in PRXNE as well, right? You've got kind of these social media um, sessions, is that correct?
1: We certainly do. Um, We have some amazing speakers that are coming down and talking about social media and how we can all leverage it in different ways. Michael Derwin, who is the Director of Social Media and Digital Strategy for Fuse Ideas, has a session called, Oh, the Things You Can Learn from Facebook. And he's really going to do a deep dive into the insights that you can learn about your brand from Facebook. Karen Yankovic is coming in and she is talking about leveraging LinkedIn and how do you use that to establish your credibility and visibility and ultimately, as any CEO would want, how do you use it to drive sales? So we're definitely doing a deep dive into some of the different social media channels and how we can use those better as PR people.
0: Yeah, why don't we, um, let's switch gears a bit and get back into the event and kind of, um, you know what what folks can expect this year. Uh, I know you're covering quite a bit in terms of topics and tracks. You talked a little bit there about the, the social media focus. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the keynote speakers that you have lined up this year? Because I saw one in particular, it's this, this presidential election panel, right? Uh, and that one kind of piqued my interest. That
1: is one we're really excited about because we have some great panelists. Um, R.D. Saul, who is a veteran journalist here in Boston, um, and is now a professor of practice over at Boston University, is going to be our moderator. But we have the political editor from the Boston Globe, the executive direct, or editor over at the union leader, and then a reporter from WPRI down in Providence. And they're really going to be looking at um, the role the media has played in this presidential election. So when we look back on some of the key elements of what has happened in the last year, The media has definitely had a role, Um, whether the union leaders endorsement of Christie right early on in the campaign to the Boston Globe, um, printing a false front front page talking about what life might look like under Trump. Mm. The media itself has become part of the story. And so we're really excited about hearing from these people about where they see the role of the media in, in the election. And I think What also makes it incredible for the day of is that our keynotes are so very different from each other. We're going to kick off the morning with Christopher Penn, who is over at Shift Communications here and is really a guru when you talk about measurement and analytics and how that's playing a role in PR. And he has some really great ideas about how PR needs to reinvent itself, really looking at the analytics of reaching out and communications. And then our day ends with Carol Cohn, who is just really the pioneer of cause media and CSR. And she started at Cohn Communications, she built it up, and now she has her, another agency called Carol Cohn On Purpose. And we're really looking forward to her insights into the world of leveraging a cause and helping a company do good. So three very, very different keynotes, and I can't wait to hear all of them.
0: Yeah, no, that's an interesting variety. Um... Like I said, I'm definitely interested in that that, uh, that media coverage one. Uh, moving down though to the uh, the panel discussions that you have, there's another one that's um, on sort of the transition between, I guess, the transition some uh, communications professionals are making to an educational career. Right? Is that something that uh, that was kind of high in demand in terms of a topic, or is that something a, a transition a lot of people are looking to make? You know, I think a lot of people
1: do make that transition, and a lot of people wonder how they can even if it's just as an adjunct faculty as opposed to a full-time professor kirk hazlett is um he's an apr here in boston and a fellow prsa but he has been involved in the prsa chapter here in boston for many many years and he is now the professor of communications over curry college and he's really put this panel together and chaired it but we have um representatives from Ithaca, from New Hampshire College, from Plattsburgh, New York. And they're all going to talk about what does it take to be a professor and how do you make that transition.
0: And then, okay, moving along to a few of the other tracks on the agenda this year, uh, I noticed the spotlight sessions, there's there's some talks on um, SEO here, kind of putting together RFPs, influencer campaigns. Um, what, What do folks need to know about these sessions?
1: You know, I think... The biggest challenge people are going to have are deciding which ones to go to. Um, We are running five concurrent tracks, um, and it's four different breakouts. So in addition to the keynotes, everyone will have the chance to go to four different sessions. But when you're choosing four out of 20, that gets a little bit hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are some really great different tools and sessions. You know, how do you run a client messaging session? There's a great one, Kelly Chun of Kelly Chun and Associates, is doing one on multicultural public relations, which I think is something that we all have to start thinking about incorporating into the work that we do and how do we reach uh, a multi-ethnic audience. So there's some really incredible um, speakers here. We're really proud to have the talent that's coming in for this, and our programming team has really done an excellent job.
0: Yeah, when you're setting the um, the schedule of content, you know, and I, I, I did see that multicultural session, and I thought that was a pretty interesting one as well. Um, but it, I, I assume variety is probably important, right? When you're kind of establishing what the content going to be, uh, obviously interest—you want p- things that people are going to be interested in and topical, probably. Um, but kind of what goes into to creating all that content and putting together a schedule, and you know, timing it out, making sure everybody's got the time they need.
1: Probably the biggest challenge you have with putting together. The content for something like this is understanding that your audience coming in is approaching it from many different perspectives. So we'll have people in the audience that are one or two years out of college in their first job in communications, and they're looking for something very different from that person that is 20 years in and is looking for that really high-level insight into different topics or maybe... They're looking for a little bit more insight into the social media that somebody four or five years out already gets. So understanding that your audience is coming from so many different perspectives, you need to make sure that you have content that appeals to all of them, which is why that we've put together five different tracks trying to hit different needs for our audience.
0: Yeah, no, I know from, from personal experience, when you go to a show like this, it's always nice to know that uh, pretty much in any hour, you have something that's going to be interesting to, to you, and uh, you know you might want to take a break anyway, but it's like, I don't want to have a, a dead hour where there's absolutely nothing that I'm interested in going on.
1: Everyone's time is too valuable, so they want to make the most use out of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm actually glad you mentioned it really briefly, and uh, if, if you don't mind, I might do a little shameless self-promotion here, but uh, our own uh, managing director, Cheryl Gale, will be doing that, that client messaging session you mentioned. Um, yes. And we did get a sneak peek of that here at the agency, uh, and I will say, uh, very you know, very genuine here, it was actually really a really compelling presentation, really eye-opening. Um, I learned a lot personally, and uh, I would definitely suggest it to our listeners.
1: I have to say, Manny, that is one that I'm really looking forward to, and I'm hoping I can sneak off to get to that one, because I think it's one of those things that we many of us do for our clients already but we've never maybe gone through a session of what are the best practices. So having Cheryl there to present that to us, really excited about that.
0: Yeah, no, she had a, good, a lot of good little tidbits too that uh, that certainly didn't occur to me ahead of time, and, uh, and she's just a great presenter anyway. So in any case, what, 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 should, what else should people know about these toolbox sessions and just, I guess, uh, the event in general? I mean, what, what are you excited about this year?
1: You know, I think the other thing, the toolbox sessions are phenomenal. Um, hearing from people like Jane Carpenter at Wayfair, Or you know, best strategies for putting together a winning RFP or winning more business. Um, Nancy Sterling, who is over at ML Strategies, is doing a session on crisis management, which I think is something that uh, we should all spend more time on. But I think you know, in addition to the content, one of the things I'm really excited about is just talking and getting to know people that engage in different types of communications practices from all over the Northeast and. The networking part of this is always one of the best parts because you meet so many different people with so many different experiences and that's just a phenomenal way to spend a day.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Are you do you feel like um are are you drawing a much more like professionally diverse crowd uh, at these PRX any events these days? Um just people from different kind of professional backgrounds?
1: I think so because I think that, you know, communications in general has changed so much that we all do different things, and yet um, we're doing them across a wide variety of organizations. There are digital agencies, there are traditional PR agencies, companies that specialize in event management that understand the communications are important, corporate professors, um, as I said, you know, two years out, 20 years out. So there's a wide variety of people doing diverse things, and it's something we can all learn from, so I think that's fantastic.
0: Mm. All right, very cool. So um, as I said, we're less than two weeks away here then. And um, I mean, as we're winding down here, are you are you excited? Do you get to kick back and enjoy the show? Or do you, do you even get to do that as an organizer? Or is it just like go, go, go when you get there?
1: I'm definitely going to make some time to see a couple of these. I'm not going to miss the political keynote. I really want to hear from Carol Cohn. And there's there's a couple of other sessions I have my eyes on. So I'm definitely going to try and sneak in and at least see some of it.
0: All right, great. And so if you haven't already convinced our listeners, um, if there's any last stragglers out there who haven't registered, you know, what's the, what's the pitch? Why should they register? Why should they go to, why should they become a member of PRSA, actually?
1: You know, they should become a member of PRSA simply because there's so many reasons, but one is the networking opportunities and the professional development opportunities. Um, I'll make a pitch right now that um, everyone should consider going through their APR process, which is the accreditation process of the PRSA. just reminds you of all the amazing um, things you know and reminds you of what makes PR such an incredible profession. So I'm really excited about PRSA in general in Boston. I think it offers so much on a professional development level to people. Um, And I would say you'll get a taste of that at the conference on June 13th, and you will see and meet some of the most accomplished communication professionals um, that you'll ever have the chance to meet. So come on down, meet them, talk to them, you know, Introduce yourself. Make them your colleagues, and it's going to be a great day. You're going to learn so much, and you definitely don't want to miss this one.
0: All right, fantastic. And uh, Aaron, where can our listeners learn more about you and your agency?
1: Oh, CallananKlein.com, Cal- uh, Klein Communications. And that's C-A-L-L-A-N-A-N-K-L-E-I-N.com.
0: There you go. All right, Aaron. I just want to say thanks so much for joining the show today. Um, I know the folks at the agency here are really looking forward to the event. Um so good luck and and we'll see you at UMass Boston.
1: Great. Thanks so much man. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. All right guys, that's it for this week. I uh, just want to say thanks again to our guest, Erin Callanan. She's of Callan and Klein. And, of course, she is also co-chair of PRXNE16. That's the big event uh, for the Public Relations Society of America in their Northeast district. Uh, it's coming up on June 13th at the UMass Boston campus. Uh, to register for the show, if you're interested, just go to PRSANortheast.com. Uh, you'll find all the links there on the homepage, and uh, you can find out more information about the very... Uh, exciting program they have lined up this year Uh, if you have already registered for the show uh, just a quick reminder to please check out uh, the session from Cheryl Gale of March Communications and and I swear I'm not just stumping for her Uh, it's not just because I work for her she actually (laughs) put together a really great presentation we got a little preview of it here in-house and I would definitely say it's worth your time i learned quite about uh, quite a lot about how to run a client messaging session that's the title so uh, you'll learn how to do just that Uh, And you'll get some great tips if you already know quite a bit about that topic, but just want to learn more. Again, that's uh, hosted by Cheryl Gale, our managing director here at March Communications. And that'll be at 1.45 p.m. on on June the 13th. And a quick shout out before we go to the Holmes Report. Uh, March Communications actually now sponsors their podcast. It's called The Echo Chamber. Uh, It's a really good podcast all about uh, PR and communications. So it's right down the, uh, the same alley that we are. Uh, and we are actually now syndicating select episodes of Hacks and Flax over to the Echo Chamber. So you'll be able to find uh, you know a few of our greatest hits over on that podcast. I think one a month is what we're going to be doing. So uh, to listen to the Echo Chamber, just go to iTunes. Uh, you can also visit homesreport.com, That's H-O-L-M-E-S, Uh Go ahead and check them out if you haven't already. Uh, finally, quick reminder to please subscribe to Hacks and Flax on iTunes. Uh, That way you get the latest episode of our show delivered straight to your device right when we come out. It it gets to you immediately. You don't have to go hunting around for it. It's the easiest way to listen to Hacks and Flax, Uh, although we do post new episodes to the March blog. It's uh, at marchcoms.com slash blog. And, of course, you can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle there is at HacksFlax. And we post to Instagram as well. The handle there is also at HacksFlax. That's it this week, guys. We're done for now. We'll be back soon. I'm Andy Vega. Thanks for listening.